a good, good day, and I am excited about what God has put on my heart. I want you to be open to what God is saying, because I really believe God's going to, going to speak to us. When I was very young, a young boy, uh, my, we had a, a ritual. My father would come in and kiss us all goodnight, and uh, I, I just, you know, I was one of six kids, so I was number three, so I was still young enough where he was coming in to do this. But I remember a very special evening. We had, I was laying there, and, and there must have been stuff going on. You know, my dad worked two jobs and things going on and, and such. My father was probably the best father that ever lived on the face of the earth. Um, I, he was kind. He was loving. He was always providing. Uh, he was instructive. He was just, he just, he just a great, great, great dad. Uh, but on this particular evening, I'm laying coming, you know, and there's like two of us in a room, you know. If you have six kids, there's always two in a room. When we were really young, there was four, but that's another whole story. So I remember I'm laying there, and, um, and uh, he, he's not coming, and I said, Dad, you going to come and kiss me goodnight? Nothing. Silence. And I, and I said, Dad, you going to come kiss me goodnight? And he says, Greg, you're on up. Just go to sleep without it. I was crushed. I was like, I was like you know, it's that moment, you know, when, you know, maybe I am, but... I don't feel like it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like it. I just, you know, it wasn't even him coming in, kissing, and t- tucking me in. It was just that, it was just the dad being there, dad walking into the room. Have you ever been scared at, at night and, or, or when you're younger or even, even now? And uh, you, you turn on the light, and that's supposed to help. They say turn on the light and, and, the, and the light. In fact, I was, I was watching. Uh, 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 the, one of the Star Wars shows, and they, someone says, well, what's the force like? And it says, well, if you're ever scared at night and you turn on the light, then you feel better, right? And she said, yeah, 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 yeah. And she says, well, that's what the force is like, which is really strange because my, I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not enough. It's not enough. There has to be a, a presence. It wasn't enough to just turn on the light. I wanted Dad to be there. I wanted the presence. And I think sometimes as we grow in God and we start to listen to what God's doing in our life and such, we get to the point where we think, I'm okay, I can handle this, I can go through this, I can handle this situation or this crisis. And we get to the point where we think we're okay without the presence of God. Or just being conscious of God's presence is there. I'm okay with that. You know, the the Bible, and the very last thing that Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I want you to go as you're going, as you're traveling, as you're, as you're moving, as you're living your life, then fulfill this calling. I, I want you to make disciples. That's the first command. Make disciples. Go make disciples. And then, and then baptize them, because that's part of making disciples. You haven't been baptized, we're going to do that again real soon. You need to be baptized. So make disciples. And then the second command is teach them to obey. Make disciples. And teach them to obey. What does it mean to be a disciple? Of course, the only way we can teach them is to actually live it. We have to obey. And as we obey, then we can teach others how to obey. But those are the two commands, and we get that, and we, we understand that. But there's a third part of this that we easily miss. Because the way it's structured, we think, well, that's just the way i got to uh, make disciples, and i got to tell people about Jesus, and i got to help them understand how to follow him. I teach them. So make disciples and teach them. But there's a third part that easily gets missed, that easily gets overlooked. But I think it's, it's the critical part of understanding how we live our life because that's your calling. Your calling is to make disciples and to teach people to obey uh, uh, and to encourage them to get baptized. That's, that's all of our callings. That's who we are. It says, well, what am I called to do? Okay, that's easy. 
tell people about Jesus and help them know what it is to mean to follow him. That's what it means. But there's a third part to this that's, that I, I want to focus on this morning. And this is what it says, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20. He says, see or notice, this is important. Here, here's, a, here's the climax of what I want to say. I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, he says, go make disciples and teach them how to live for me. And as you do, make sure you take me. Make sure you take my presence. Make sure I, you understand that I am with you, that you're not doing this on your own. And that is, is critical for us to understand. And I think we go through life and we forget that. We, we pursue things and we pursue being right and being good enough and being holy enough and being spiritual enough and doing all the right things that we miss the critical part that is with us to the very end of the age. This morning, I want to talk about his presence. And I want to talk about it in, in a sort of a unique way because you have to be willing to risk the presence of God. And you say, well, what's that about? But see, God's presence comes with stuff. <laughs> That's the point. God's presence is loving, it's incredible, it's kind, it's filled with mercy and grace, but it comes with things that we're going to look at. So this morning I'm going to talk about risking God's presence in your life. If you want to go to another whole level, if you want to see God change your life and your family and your finances and, and your, your calling, your ministry, everything that you're doing in your life, you need to understand this. You need to be able to come to the point where I'm going to risk the very presence of God. You say, what does that mean? What does it mean to risk the, the presence of God? Uh, that means taking God's presence with you. And I'm going to share this, and very simply, this morning, with three very uh, relevant stories that all say the same thing, but it's slightly in a different way, through the entire Bible that helps us understand what this is all about. Let me start with Moses. So Moses, in this particular story, there's so many stories of Moses. It's, just, it's great, right? It's just incredible. But in this particular story, this is a bad, bad, bad time. Stuff was going on. <laughs> the, they just rebelled. They built this golden calf because they wanted to serve gold. So it's not that far from where we live today, if you understand. We just don't put it in a calf. We, we put it in savings account. <laughs> we put, put it in Roth. So okay, I'm just saying... <laughs> And I'm just saying, so they built this golden calf and they said, we're going to serve this instead of serving God. Moses sees this. God wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger. Moses sees this and is so frustrated and breaks it. And then he goes back to God and says, oh, man, they're a mess. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? It would, this is just horrible, and, and, and God's not happy either. <laughs> He's not going, oh, you know, you've got to understand there's... there's there was risk with God's presence. So everything was a mess. Look what it says in Exodus 33. This is what God says to Moses. Okay, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to send an angel, a powerful angel, a great angel, before you, and will drive out the, the enemies in the land. They will drive out, they will, they will empty out the land, all the promised land. I, I will send it, but I will not go with you. Because... You, they're nothing but a bunch of stiff-necked, stubborn people. And if I go, I might destroy you, the people, along the way. So God says, obviously this is not going to work. Because you keep rebelling, you keep doing the wrong thing, you keep making, they keep turning away from God. So I'm not going to go with you. I'm going I'm to do my promise. I'm going to clear out the land. 
You're going to have everything that you ever wanted, everything that you want in the promised land. You will be victorious. You'll have it all. I'm just not going to be there. Wow, okay. It's not such a, such a bad thing. You're going to give me the land. You're going to defeat the enemy. We're going to be totally victorious. I just, we, but your presence won't be there. So what did Moses do? Look at verse 15 out of Exodus 33. He said, if your presence does not go with us, if your presence does not go, even though you're going to give me everything I ever wanted, everything the children of Israel wanted, it's all there, right? Okay. But if you don't go, don't send us from here. Here? Here? Where's here? The wilderness? The barrenness? God, Moses said, I would rather live in the desert with your presence than have everything I ever wanted, everything that, that we need, everything, the very promise that you gave. I would rather have you in the wilderness than live in the promised land without you. We won't go. We're going to stay right here with you, God. This, this, this is it. <laughs> this, the wilderness is better. This, this barrenness, this broken place I'm in is better than living without your presence. Living without you. Wow. That's incredible. Jesus says something very similar in Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. He says, what, what good would it be if you gain the whole world and you forfeit your soul? It's the same thing. What, what, what does it matter if God meets every single prayer request you have? If every answer if, is there, if, you have, if, if it's all there, if everything you've ever dreamed of comes true, and you gain everything. What does it matter if you lose your soul or literally if my presence is not there? If I am not with you, what does it matter if you have everything? You, you see, we yearn for God. We, 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 we yearn for things. We, we, we say we want this. We say God do this. But in the end, it's not enough. That's what as Moses said. It's not enough. The thing that I want the most, the thing that I cry the most, it's not enough if you're not in it, God. And then he cried out to God, and this is what God said in Exodus 33, 14. I love this. It says, my presence, oh, I love this. Got to get this. Watch this. My presence will go with you. I will be with you. I'll always be with you. And I will give you rest. You see, we fight so hard because we think if I have that, Savings account, that'll, that'll, that'll make my soul rest. If this marriage thing works out, that'll make my soul rest. If, if I have these things, if I do these things, if all these things, if that's what's going to make me happy, that's going to give you, and never, never, never the case. The only thing that will give you rest, the only thing that will bring you to this place of contentment, you're this place of, God, this is enough. God, that's enough. It's His presence. That is the rest that we seek, and we don't even know it. We don't even know how to find it. We just, we're running to here. You gotta do this. Gotta do this. Gotta be there. Gotta do that. Gotta, and we're running all around. And we never find the rest. Is that not our world? Is that what not everyone is doing? They're on this hamster wheel and they never stop and they never find rest. And God says, It's always been about me. The answer is always what? Jesus. It's always my presence with you. It'll, you'll never find it outside of my presence. 
I believe God's going to continue to build this church. I believe with all my heart. I believe God's going to touch your life. I believe God's going to build you and build, continue to build your life and your family. I do all that. I believe that. But if God gave me everything, if God said, I'm going to fill this church, you're going to have 15 services. You're going to have, I'm believing for a building where the AC doesn't break. <laughs> I'm believing for a building that we have all of our own. I'm believing for that. I, I can see that. If God gave me everything, I would not go without him. I want to risk his presence now. I want to risk his presence with what we have. I want to risk and say, God, I know you're a holy God. This isn't, I don't mean risk as in you fear God. I mean risk as in I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to give my everything into you, God. I'm going to go with you or I'm not going. I don't want, I don't want any of that. All I want is his presence. That's all I want. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, God, I'll risk everything. I don't want anything but your presence. And if you, if you, if you think, hey, yeah, but this, <laughs> okay, <laughs> can I have this? Okay, watch this. When we put anything above his presence, we lose his presence. When, if there's anything that says, God, just this and this, you see what I did? Just whatever that is. <laughs> I'm, I'm being ambivalent there because, man, the Holy Spirit's going to fill it in. Boop, fill that into your heart and say, you take that, set it aside, and just be me. And then I will give you all these things. When Justin was just a little boy, he came up and said, he's always been a pretty smart boy, but I didn't know he was this smart until he came up and said, Dad, can I have something? I said, uh... Because you know, you learn. If this is a trick question, how many of you want to talk about it? I said, I don't, I don't know. I said, Dad, can I have something? I said, I said oh, well, what it is. I said, what do you want? He said, I just want a hug. She <laughs> went, oh, yeah. You, you know, I was, I was wasting. I just want a hug. And I gave him a hug. And I said, I'll give you a Game Boy and a bike and a boat and a car. I'll give you anything. I'll give you everything. Why? Because he just wanted me. <gasps> what do you want? What do you want? You want God? You want his presence in your life where you feel him? God will give you anything. <laughs> God will give you everything. None of it. None of it would have your heart. But if it has your heart, he'll take it all. Because he only wants your heart. The rich young ruler, Jesus wasn't being mean. I want all your money. Yes, well, come on. It wasn't about that. He came and he said, I've done everything. But Jesus said, yeah. But there's something above that. There's something above God. And he says, give all that away. Give all that away. And then you'll have everything. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He couldn't say, no, no, I want, I want all this and God. Can I? And God says, no, you have to risk me. <laughs> you have to risk God. You have to risk his presence to be enough in your life. You have to risk God's presence to do enough in your life. Are you willing to do that? Here's a second story. We go just a little bit forward in time. Israel has come into the promised land and God gave them everything. 
he was with them and took the land and all the enemies. It was just amazing. And then Israel decided, we look at what we did. And all of a sudden they turned away from God. So here we are at Judges. And they're just doing their own thing and rebelling against God. And it was a mess again. Just a total mess. If you read Judges 6, it, 6, it just breaks your heart. Because what happens, it says that, that they would, the enemy would come in. All kinds of enemies. We're talking about the, the Midians. But all kinds of enemies would come in. And as soon as... Israel would have anything. They would have a, a goat or they'd have a little sheep or they'd, they'd have some grain or, they, or wine or something like that. They'd come in and take everything. They left nothing again and again. It was like setting a table for somebody else. You set your table. Imagine your whole family. You set all your table. You got a feast coming in and then someone comes in and take, clears out everything. It doesn't even leave you with a fork or a crumb. You talk about the Grinch. Took everything. How would you feel? That's the, way they, that's the way they were living. That was, they were, it says that they were so impoverished that they cried out to God. They were so impoverished that they cried out to God. And it makes me just really think, wait a minute. How impoverished do I have to become to cry out to God? And the question is, what has impoverished your life? What is coming in and stealing and destroying and hurting? What is it that do, does that? And I say, God, don't bring me to a point where I have to be so impoverished that I cry out to God. So God answered their prayer. <laughs> he loved, not like they wanted. And see, God does that in our life. Come on, stay with me here. He does it that way. He sent them a prophet with no name because it says a prophet. <laughs> I don't want a no-name prophet. Give me, a, give me somebody that has a name. Give me someone that has a, you know, some oomph behind it. Come on. He sends a prophet with no name and a warrior with no courage. And that was enough. Because it was never about the prophet, and it was never about the, the warrior with no courage. It was always about his presence. It was always about what God can do. So in this story, here's Gideon, who's hiding in a wine press, because they don't have any wine, they don't have any grapes, because they took everything, right? Hiding in, down in a wine press, putting out a little bit of grain, and he's hiding, and, and an angel an angel comes, look what it says in Judges chapter 6, verse, verse 12, and, and finds him hiding, and he says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, he didn't feel like a mighty warrior. Mm. When God declares it because of his presence, it is. The presence comes first, God is with you, then you're a mighty warrior. Aren't we trying to be a mighty warrior before his presence? Aren't we trying to do things and be good and even be spiritual enough and even do these type of things and we're missing the whole point of His presence? Because we get up in the morning, we don't hear God, we don't listen to God, we don't pay attention to God, we don't interact with God, we just say, okay, God, I need to be a mighty warrior for you today. And He says, but you left me. Stay with me. Because this is important to understand. Mighty warrior, I'm going, to, I'm going to make you into something because of my presence. That's incredible. <laughs> so what was Gideon's response? Look at verse 13. Right after that, it says, you're, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's always about the presence. I'm with you, and you, I'm going to make you into a mighty warrior. You're going to be able to do this. Says, uh, wait a minute. Uh, if the Lord is with us. <laughs> so he didn't question even the mighty warrior part because he knew he wasn't. He didn't have anything to do with that. What does he question? He questions the presence. He questions the presence. He says, ah, don't feel like you're with me because bad things happen. If bad things happen in my life, then you're not with me. Wow. 
all these thousands of years later, and we're still struggling with the same thing. God must not be with this church because the AC broke. God must not be with me because I'm struggling in this area. God must not be with me because everything is going on in my life. And missing the whole point. Missing the very foundation of how we are to live God. <laughs> he, he, he complains. He says, you're, you're not with me. You're not, you're, you know, because why? Now, it's interesting. The angel totally ignores him. Totally doesn't even answer, doesn't even respond, doesn't even condemn. He just says, Really? And just moves on because it's because he's so off base. He's so completely wrong. He, he, he doesn't even. He, he just he just moves on and says, you know, it's not it's not about that. It's always. And then you got this long story with Gideon saying, okay, if you're with us, God, then do this. We never do that. If you're with me, God, then you'll make this car start in the morning. <laughs> if I if I give enough illustrations, I'll find yours. You're with me, God, because, because my husband will be nice to me. <laughs> because my, my wife will actually smile at me. I don't know. I'm just saying. He'll do this like that. That's the, but you must not be with me. And so we judge his presence by the circumstances around us. His presence must not be here. And that's exactly what Gideon did. But you see, we know Christ. Christ lives in us. His presence is ever with us. He is actually in us. So how can we be struggling with the same stupid stuff that Gideon is dealing with? And everything was always about, and it was always there. I'm always with you. I've always, I, 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 I'll never leave you. But you've got to understand my presence, understand what that means, and be willing to risk it. You see, trust in God. Are we willing to trust God more than our hiding place? See, Gideon was very secure in his little hiding place. He got it. He figured out how to do it. He was tricking the enemy. He got, he got that uh, grain that he started to come out. You know, started, it's not much. It's a little bit. And he was satisfied with the hiding place. And now God was calling him out and said, get out of your hiding place and walk with me. And we'll, uh, we'll set the whole country on fire. We'll set every, everyone free if you're willing to do that. And we live in our little hiding place behind that little locked door, behind that fear, behind that besetting sin that kicks us down every time, behind that worry, behind this, behind this, we just hide. I'm just here. This is who I am. <laughs> That's my personality, Greg. <laughs> I can't do anything about that. That's just my family. <laughs> you know, that's just what I am, and we hide and behind, behind the, the little thing, and we're in our little wine press, and God's saying, come on. My presence, it's there. We can change the world. Come on, get up. Get out of there. Trust me. We hide behind our family. We hide behind our tradition. This is the way we always do this. This is the way I grew up worshiping God, so I don't do it that way. We hide behind our weakness because that's exactly what Gideon did. And God says, in your weakness, I'll make you strong if you just trust me. Here's the third story. Go all the way to the New Testament. And this one might surprise you. Because it was about Paul in his crisis time. He had a crisis and he found Christ. And now, having found Christ, he's in another crisis. And you think, how, how's that? How, how did Paul, Paul, you know, Paul, <laughs> was scared, was confused, and didn't know what to do. You think, I don't believe you. Okay, let me prove it to you. Acts chapter 18, and we're going to read verses 9 and 10. 
an angel in a vision comes to Paul and says, do not be afraid. Because God just says that. He doesn't really mean it, right? No. Paul was afraid. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Which means Paul had decided, that's it. Not saying another word. Paul, the great apostle Paul, had come to the point where he says, that's it. I'm done. I'm not even going to speak. I'm just going to sit here in my little corner and sulk because that always works. <laughs> right? That's what he was doing. He says, keep on speaking. Do not be silent for I am with you. What was the answer? What was the answer? What did, what did the angels tell Paul? The angel of God. So I believe this was Christ himself had come. What was he trying to tell Paul? I'm with you. All these things are happening because you don't know or believe that I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Go back to the verse. Let me finish the, the verse. I'm sorry. I, I expound as I move on. <laughs> and, and no one is, is going to harm you because I have many people in this city. Many, many, many people. You're, you, see, you think you're all alone, and I'm not with you. And I'm telling you, not only am I with you, but you're in a body. You're connected. You've got a church. You've got people around you. You need to call your pastor and tell him what's going on. I'm sorry. Just... <laughs> because we're connected. We're in, we're, in, we're, in, we're in relationship. You see, the reason Paul got there is he failed. He, this is his plan. I took a whole class on just Paul's plan. It is the plan. It's what this is. Paul would go to the cities, so big or small, but usually the bigger cities, would go to the cities, would go to the synagogue, would talk to the, the, the Jews that would believe in the Messiah, would talk to the God-fearers, which were the Gentiles that were part of the synagogue, that believed that there is a God, and win them over for Christ, and then get a, a body around him, and then win the whole city. That was the plan. It's Paul's model. It's what... It's been imitated over and over and over and over and over and over. This is what you do. Build a little core, get your little core, get the body, and then reach the city. Okay? That, that was his plan. So he, he had come to the point, though, that he had had so much fighting and pushback in the synagogues that he, he couldn't even do it. So he said, that's it. So right before the angel comes and says this, right before that in Acts, he, he says, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to the synagogues anymore. Which means what? He's got no plan. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where he's going to... This is a, his model that, that we still follow and that we still do. And he decided, I'm done with this model. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm just, it's not working. I'm not going to do it. So what does he do? And I think that led him into discouragement. It led him into depression. It led him into fear. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't even know how to do it. How am I going to evangelize? How am I going to do all these things? And he says, oh, I just won't do anything. And a lot of times that's what we do when we feel like God's presence is not here. We just, I'm just, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just not going to do anything. Paul's failure to understand that God had a new plan. <laughs> and he couldn't see it. You see, he felt lost. He felt like he didn't have a plan. Because it was never about the plan. It was always about his presence. And God wanted Paul to understand. It was never about your Pauline plan. 
and your Pauline mission journeys. It was always about my presence that went with you. And that's what always made the difference in your life. It was always about, I am with you. It was always about, and Paul had to come to this revelation that affected the rest of everything he wrote. I am weak. He's strong. I came in weakness. I came in, in words that weren't persuasive and weren't winning. But, but God was with me. His presence is with me. And it set the tone for everything and even to how we understand and live today. Can we understand? It is not me and my strength. It is God. You see... When your control is gone, when you can't control your path anymore, when everything seems to be going off, off, off the rails somewhere, and you're going, oh my goodness, what's going on, things like that, do you understand that God's trying to take you to a whole other level? That God's trying to take you into plans that you never even thought about, that you never even considered. That, that we grow fearful when we lose control. We grow fearful. We say, God, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, my plan that I've always trusted, the way I've always done church, the way I've always thought about you, the way I've always thought you interacted with me, that God, it was, it was always there. It was always like that. And God said, no, I have so much more. I have something greater. Are you willing to risk my presence over your plan? <laughs> Are you willing this morning to risk the presence of God in your life over whatever plan you think would work or will, won't work? What everything that God wants to do in your life. Come on up, Andrew. His presence. See, the thing about presence is you can't, you can't change it. Come on up, guys. You come on up. You can't create it. You can't make it happen. You have to believe it and accept it. Thomas, everyone look here. Thomas had probably the greatest, the greatest test that God blessed him with. Because every disciple was there when Jesus came and they saw him and they were excited. We saw Jesus. He throws from the dead. Why? Because we saw him. But Thomas wasn't there. He wasn't there. Of all people, Thomas wasn't there. And we beat up on Thomas, but I think this was the greatest test because I think Jesus wanted to see, Thomas, will you believe even though you don't see? Will you believe, Thomas, come, even though you can't see? Will you be, still believe that my presence is here? <laughs> come on. <laughs> will you still believe or do you must, must you see? God, you do this. Oh, God worked that miracle. Oh, he must be here. Or do you trust him? And he failed miserably. In the test. Well, they all did. And that gives us great hope. Because sometimes we do the same thing. We fail miserably. And Jesus said, blessed, blessed, blessed are those who do not see and still believe. Believe what? My presence is here. My presence is here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe your presence is here. God, I pray for every single person watching, every single person that's looking at their life and they're looking what's going on and whether they feel like they lost control, whether they're hiding someplace, whether they're willing to risk your presence in their life. God, I pray right now that there's not a soul in the sound of my voice, so in this place or online that, it, that is at a place where they will not risk your presence, will not risk your your grace and your mercy in their life. And God, I pray right now, Father, that we open up our lives and we say, God, come. 
Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my doubt. Forgive me of my worry and my fear and all these. Let me rest in your presence. God, you love us. Forgive us. Renew us. Change us inside and out. And let us never be the same. Let us walk continually in your presence. In the name of Jesus, I pray.